Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. My guest is James R. Bolton, Jr. Well, we know that in this country that over the last decade or more, uh, that media has become... Uh, under the control of a small number of people. Uh, oh, absolutely. I recently read a book by Cheryl Atkinson, Atkinson called The Smear, in which she outlined how uh, the media is now controlled, where, and the core of it is Media Matters, which is totally mm-hmm. funded by George Soros. And as you right. know, when you start listening to multiple different outlets, they're all saying the same thing. They all get a list of talking points, and they all come from Media Matters. And Media Matters has uh, – has it's that is the head of the octopus, and it has all of these arms that are going out to many, many different outlets all around the country, all around the world, actually, but primarily in this country, so that everyone is saying the same thing, the same message. They have people who sit and comb what uh, conservatives are saying – uh, what individualists are saying, and pick out a phrase that they can attack. And then that attack goes out so that everyone is attacking the person who made the statement. And so that's the kind of thing. I mean, every dictatorship on earth has one of the first things they do is control the media. So that's really a, that's a very important point. So emphasize that again for us. How does that okay. work? What, what I would like to emphasize there is the this is something that's critical knowledge for anyone trying to push back against these changes, and that is that information dominance let me let me define it. Information dominance is the ability to proliferate your information upon a society while simultaneously inhibiting your opposition's ability to do the same. Now that's an important statement. The information dominance not only projects a message, it also inhibits your message. So it's so that there thereby we have an we have a competition environment. That's what people need to understand. We are in a competition here. We're in a conflict. We are in a cultural war. A cultural and political war right here in the United States. It doesn't involve guns and tanks and bullets necessarily, although there's some violence on the streets here and there. And and there are there is rising violence that's typical that's indicative of an insurgency environment. However, it's mostly an information dominance environment where people are emotionally driven to support, to be apathetic, or to not support. 
And through this process in counterinsurgency, when we operated in other countries, we used this same process to do what? To create dissidents. We wanted to identify the people who would not cooperate. And this is so important. That's what's being done right now in the United States. The, line, the, the lists are being made. The lines are being divided between who will, who will buy into the program, who will at least be complicit, and who will not cooperate. So you've, you actually started talking about my next question to you, and who is listening? I mean, that is critical, is it not? Yes. The masses are listening. <laughs> right, but the masses are not uniform, are they? No, sir. They don't have to be. Right. So how does that work? Well... You know, I guess we could move into the target if you'd like to do that, and that'll kind of explain that. We can do whatever you want. I, okay. I, and I've, got okay my tar- I've got my target in front of me. Okay, so for the listeners, we I sent Dr. Dan a target. In the center, it says CPT. We'll explain this. There's, there's four circles. The center is the core planning team, and there's a second circle, with, that's part of that operation. Then there's the mass base, the target population for those two inner circles. And then there's the general population. It's on the outside for a reason. And it says OE in an acronym there on the side. That's your operational environment. So that is to say that we are all operating within this general population environment because insurgencies are about populations. We're not talking about open conventional warfare. We're talking about fourth and fifth generation war. So this is about populations. So we're looking at the general population surrounding the outside circle because that's our operational environment. Now, who's listening? The general population, those people who frequent the evening news and frequent the morning news talk shows, which I do everything I can to avoid that (laughs) myself. (laughs) Although I have to In my work, I do have to keep up with basically what's being pushed as a general message. However, I don't concentrate on those things. But the messages that the general population is hearing, they're not too concerned about either side. Our side or the opposition is not too concerned about what the mass population is hearing. And why is that? Because it never takes a majority to change anything. That's an important understanding. It never takes a majority. If we move into the second circle heading in from the operational environment, we see the numbers 15% in that target population. Generally, it only requires about the, it only requires the cooperation of about 15% of the society to really change the whole political and social structure of, of a nation. And that's just their, that's just people who cooperate. It doesn't mean they're necessarily 100% buying into your program. It's just the fact that they're willing to cooperate. It only takes about 15%. Um, it's generally understood that about 40% of the society, including that 15%, will generally go along with whatever the 15% is willing to go along with. So what about the 60%, the rest of society? To be honest, who cares? If you're in a counterinsurgency, you don't care about the 60%. Why? That's why you have the military. That's why you have the police. That's why you have the threat of force. Generally, they will become. most of them will become complicit. As we move into the 
the, the third circle in next to the center, we see that there are 1% auxiliary participants. This is where we get into some good news, Dr. Dan. <laughs> the two inner circles, we get into some good news here because it is good news that it doesn't take a majority to change a nation. And that's, that's good news for us. We need to understand that it doesn't take a majority. We don't have to have the majority. In each county, this this target's designed for really designed for operations in a in a condensed area. Um, we have a, a a principle that we use that let me let me read it to you. We have a principle that we use. It's the fundamental objective for for civil counteraction for civil counteraction, and it says this: reduce all threats and challenges to the lowest common denominator. Discover the center of gravity at that point and attack the center of gravity directly or indirectly, depending on your capacity and the gravity of the condition. Now, obviously, there's an entire doctrine of teaching and training that goes with that statement. I don't expect people to soak all that in up in, at one time. So that's what you're doing at the local levels with these with this target operation. You are reducing this whole crisis that we're facing in the country to the lowest common denominator in a local environment where you can establish a beachhead, a strong point in this fight. And until we do that, we, we will not make any headway. That's fundamental to war, and you know that, Dr. Dan. Anyone that's been in the military knows that, that that's absolutely fundamental to war. And then also in the second circle, we have um, the Intelligence Center and operations, and we can go into that in more detail if you have some questions. And then the auxiliary participants in that second circle, the 1%, that's all you have to do at a local level in a county is gain 1% active support in your movement, and you can literally control the politics and social movement in that county. And then the CPT in the middle is your core planning team. It would be the people who are going to orchestrate this. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. We'll be right back after this quick break. My guest is James R. Bolton, Jr. Well, that's that really is, it's obviously you have looked at this from a very scientific, historical, uh, and any perspective that 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 gives us so much meaning. And, and you know, our history really supports you because only 3% of the American population were actively involved in the War of Independence. And it was only about one-third of the population actually supported independence. That's correct. So one-third were supportive, one-third were against, and one-third were, I guess, neutral or apathetic or, or ignorant or whatever. <clears throat> and and again, we have large groups of population in our country today who, again, really are totally disconnected from anything of any import when it comes to any of these questions. They're more interested in their, you know, their phones, their music, their shopping or whatever it is. So I, I get this. And I think it almost bears repeating again is that you really need a very small percentage of people fanatically connected to and adherent to an idea to move forward. But then again, that's on both sides. How do you resolve that? Yes. And that, you know, we can get into the challenges that faith movements and why they succeed and fail. 
But I want to emphasize again, Dr. Dan, that 1% at your county level. In our county, we only have about uh, 44,000 people. So I think it's uh, very positive that we understand that we only need 1% at the county level to really gain political and social precedence um, at, at, at this level. And that 1% in our county is, is only around 440 people in this county, which that's pretty exciting. That really frames this thing in a doable fashion for people. I mean, in in the past, when we first started reaching out to people, it just, without all this intricate information, building a movement just seemed impossible for most people, and it, and it has been, and there's reasons for that, which we can we can get into when when we're ready to have that discussion. But this is I'm very excited about this this target because it gives people something to gives them a goal and something to build on, and to understand that you only need one percent of people to directly support or participate in your movement, which and that doesn't require them. Obviously, there every day. It just requires everybody to be taking some part in it, in, in within their capacity. Um, and then it's you know to consider you only need fifteen percent of, of cooperation. It shows you how easy it is both ways. How easy it is for an insurgent force to take over a nation, and how how I shouldn't use the word easy, you know too lightly. It's not easy, and it's not easy for us as Americans, and I'll be very honest, I'm known to be fairly blunt about these things <laughs> because of my military background, but we are very comfortable here, and we're too comfortable. And if we if we can't take the opportunities we have to, to fight back for our way of life, we're going to lose it very quickly because the opposition that we're facing in America today is accelerating rapidly at this very moment. So I think this is good news for people to have something they can get a hold of and um, hopefully want to learn to put the work for them. Well, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your target here, and um, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. And uh, so listeners know when, when I write my newsletter about this, this a picture of this target will be uh, sent out as well so everyone can view it. But you have, obviously, a core planning team. Uh, to, to me, that means you have people who are at the center who are making, making the plans and, and uh, making judgments as to what direction to go in, how to do it, and things like that. And they have a 1% of the population that they are trying to convince to be with them. Is that probably what you're talking about? That, that is correct. That 1% is your first target operation to gain that 1%. And, and really, until you do that, you can certainly mitigate some threats, which we have been doing. Um, being a certified legal investigator has helped a lot with that. In fact, uh, just recently, we were involved in a major action against a foreign corporation trying to buy our, our local utilities here. And we have actually stopped at this point through some uh, very uh, careful planning and strategies, and which we can certainly share if people are interested in that. But um, but it's all part of this process, and it, it, that's the neat thing about it. It's all part of this process, and it works. Um, and we were very successful at it. So we have proven some some taken some ground back 
temporarily until they decide to get more attorneys and come back at us again. But uh, anyway, we're very excited about this, and but there's so much that people need to know as we need an educated base of people, especially in that core planning team, and those auxiliary participants and the people who are going to run your operations and gather your information, those are the those are the main core of people who are going to need to be educated in insurgency and in the trade craft skills to combat this. And we've got to start taking it seriously because our opponents are professionals. I tell people that all the time. We are up against professionals, and if we don't step up to the plate and learn the skills we need, we are not going to be able to match them. How do you uh, – well, talk about uh, the the battle you had in your county. Uh, were there people who came together? How did the leaders emerge? How were the 1% identified? How do you go about doing that? Okay, in this particular case, because we didn't have that 1% yet, we had to um, – it's more of a mitigation scheme, but actually it turned out a little more powerful than that. But what we did, um, and this gets into some technical details, but we had a Canadian firm try to buy a Vista, a utility that provides power for five states. So this was more than just a local issue. They had been working on this. In fact, Vista wanted to sell it to them. These the five top CEOs were wanting to all take big payoffs, obviously, for about 6 or $8 million apiece and walk away with this money in their pocket and give the, a utility to a foreign company. Well, the last time that happened in our area, it didn't work out very well. So they had been working on this for over a year before anyone even heard about it, which brings up legal issues at, at, at that point because it's a public utility. There has to be public notice on these things. Well, it was almost a year before anyone even knew what was going on. The first thing we did, of course, was approach our legislators and our elected officials and ask them to intervene, which they are required to according to Article 12 of our state constitution. They are required to intervene in these cases. Well, every single one without fail, Dr. Dan, refused to intervene. Mm-hmm. Well, I did an investigation. Being an investigator, <laughs> I did the obvious thing, and and I and I've created a list of all of our le- legislators and elected servants who were all taking money for their campaigns from the from the utilities companies. How, surpri- how surprising that. is that, right? It's not surprising at all, and we expected it. But it's just, it was really daunting for the average person out here who's not as politically aware and skilled as you or I might be or others. And it was a real blow to see, oh, I voted for these people. I've trusted these people. Something really big comes up and they don't want to step in and do their job. Well, so what we did is we formed, this is one of the first steps you take when you're dealing with this this type of issue. You form a private nonprofit, you get a few people together, form a non- private nonprofit, get a bank account, collect some, um, you have to, you, tr- you have to collect some money to fight this battle. Well, you find the right attorney, which we did. We have a great anti-environmentalist attorney out here, and um, his name's Norm Semenko. He's based in Idaho. Just a great guy. I mean, every 
liberty-based movement anywhere needs to have an attorney like this on, on their side. He knew exactly how to handle this, and by the fact that we set up a, a nonprofit, a, a private nonprofit group, that gave us legal standing to stand in the intervener sessions before the Public Utilities Commission. And they did not expect it. They were absolutely not expecting us to do that. Um, this was, uh, We were called, I was called by a Spokane County Treasurer to come to a meeting that instigated all of this, and I, and I sat there for a little while and I listened to them. And, of course, this is another form of insurgency. This is corporate insurgency, and they were actually committing corporate espionage in the process. It's interesting how no one's arrested for these things nowadays. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. In everything. 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 Everything gonna be all right this morning. <laughs>